0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sitting at the Feet of Jesus, a podcast of Bible teachings. I am your host, Patrick Ransom, and if you missed part one of our current series, Loving the Unlovable, uh, I highly encourage you to go back and check out that episode as well, where we read through Luke's account of the Good Samaritan parable, and we defined biblical love as a demonstrated action, which is enduring and other-centered, and which is both sacrificial and contra And our five ways that we learned to love the unlovable were not counting the reward, not counting the risk, not shifting the blame, not counting the sacrifice, and not counting the cost. So if you have a chance, go back and check out part one in this three-part series. And in today, we're going to look at... Uh, Continuing to to answer this question, how do we love the unlovable? And we'll see that it's by allowing ordinary situations to become divine appointments. That's allowing ordinary situations to become divine appointments. Now, I'll tell you a story about uh, a time that I was in Home Depot and I was shopping and uh, I was looking for some fertilizer uh, in, in the gardening department and as I was looking, uh, a gentleman who worked there uh, came up behind me, and I thought that he was going to offer some, some advice uh, on, on a selection that I was looking at. And instead, he said, hey, may I ask you a question? And I said, uh, you bet. He said, there's something different about you. And, and it was in that moment, uh, I will tell you, friends, that uh, I wish I could say that I had this fantastic biblical response and that I was able to sit down with this man for uh, hours upon hours and just testify to him. Um, that wasn't the case, but what I did just tell him was, um, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that, and that was it. And, and the conversation went something like this where he said, well, I really need to get some of that. And that and folks that was the the extent of that conversation and I want to let you know that when it comes to loving the unlovable not not all encounters are these dramatic good Samaritan type encounters that we that we heard about in part 1 of this series right quite often god schedules these uh, divine appointments into the very normal routines of our everyday lives So, how do we love the unlovable? It's by allowing these ordinary situations to become divine appointments. We're going to look at one such divine encounter here today in John chapter 4. It's another popular biblical account of the Samaritan woman at the well. So, go ahead and grab your Bibles, John chapter 4. These first three verses in John chapter 4 tells us that Jesus left Judea and he went again to Galilee, and it was necessary that he pass through Samaria. Now, if you were to draw a straight line um, from Jerusalem to Cana uh, and account for some hilly terrain and a possible stopover in uh, Saqqar, that would appear to be perfectly reasonable. However, you'll remember what we said about in part one about this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans, right? The Jews despised the Samaritans. To them, the Samaritans were idolatrous, half-breeds, ethnically polluted, religiously confused, morally debased. And to avoid contamination, most Jews traveling between Galilee and Judea chose to cross the Jordan uh, and go around Samaria to the east rather than journey straight through Samaria. They didn't want to become contaminated. So when Jesus says it was necessary to pass through Samaria, this tells us that Jesus had a reason to go to Samaria, and we see this in the encounter with this woman. It tells us here the sixth hour in Jewish reckoning. This is about noontime. It's early May. It's barley harvest season, the sun would have been high. The weather would have been hot and dry. And Jesus and his disciples had traveled through the morning, and, and they needed food and water to continue this journey. So while Jesus rested by the well, uh, most likely in the shade, it says his disciples went, verse 8, in search of food. So the f- the first question is here, how do we love the unlovable How does an ordinary situation become a divine employment? Y'all, it starts with a conversation. And we're going to see that conversation here in verse 4. It says, Jesus wasn't just standing on the corner of the street with a sign that said, Repent, for the end is near. No, it starts, y'all, with a ordinary conversation with this woman in verse 7. Listen to this verse with me here. It says, So a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink, for he was alone at this time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. So an ordinary situation becomes a divine appointment when we allow it to start by a simple conversation. Uh, we must be available. You understand that uh, this Jesus was available physically, emotionally, spiritually. What do I mean by being available? It's this idea that you're going to go into this conversation with the mindset that this could be a divine appointment. It's standing in Home Depot, and when the salesperson begins a conversation with you, you realize this might be something more than a superficial conversation. It's about being open to allowing the Lord to steer that conversation. And I will just tell you, oftentimes it may not be convenient. I want to repeat that. Oftentimes, these divine appointments that Jesus puts into your life, these conversations that need to take place are not convenient. Oftentimes, it's in the busyness of our lives uh, where dedicating time to a conversation is probably not something that's very high on your list. Going to Samaria was not convenient, but Jesus did it, and he met with this lady, and he met her where... She was at, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, John four uh, six to seven here tells us this woman is alone in the heat of the day going to draw water. Now, if if you're somebody in twenty twenty two, that probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference to you. But folks uh, in the ancient Near East, if a woman by herself was getting water in the heat of the day, uh, red flags would have been going up here, right? We don't just do a lot of well water retrieval these days, but trust me, a Jewish audience hearing this when when Jesus is telling this account, something's going on with this lady. So how do we love the unlovable? It starts with a conversation. How do we allow an ordinary situation to become a divine appointment? Uh, we, it begins when we start breaking down these barriers and stepping outside of stereotypes Listen with me here in verses uh, seven through nine. It says, now this woman came to draw water. Jesus tells her, please give me a drink. She was surprised for Jews refused to do anything with Samaritans. And she says to Jesus, "Uh, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? First, how do we break down barriers by stepping outside of stereotypes? It's a it's, we see this here as a demonstration of what Jesus does. Uh, he doesn't allow this fact that this, this uh, person here is a woman uh, alone in the heat of the day. Uh, women normally came to the well in groups, not by themselves, and they would share the labor of drawing water. Um, it was not a, a socialization. They didn't go there to talk. It was a matter of, let's go and grab this. It's heavy, about 40 pounds of water. Second, they would never go in the heat of the day. They would go in the cool of the day. But here's this woman that's alone in the heat of the day, and Jesus doesn't allow that to be a barrier to this conversation. Second is the racial component, that she's Samaritan. What are you doing asking me for a drink? Don't you know the rules? I am beneath you as a non-Jew and as a woman and as a Samaritan. You can't instantly overcome centuries of barriers like that, Jesus. That's what this Samaritan woman is saying, in essence, to Jesus. And you can really tell that John is underscoring this racial prejudice uh, for anyone who might have missed this source attention, right? This Samaritan woman is surprised. How can you possibly talk to me, a woman, and on top of that, a Samaritan? And Jesus is not allowing this racial barrier to impede this conversation. Third is a moral a moral barrier, right? Verse 18 tells us that this Samaritan woman has had five husbands, and she's currently living with a man who is not her husband. Now, the text doesn't necessarily say what the circumstances were around these first five husbands. They, they very well could have died of natural causes, but morally it would have been unacceptable to be living with a man who is currently not her husband. And I love what Chuck Swindoll says in this. He says here about verse 18, he says, she, this woman, was living with the sixth temporary man in a long line of temporary men. So what does it look like to break down barriers by stepping outside of stereotypes for you and I today? Um, Let me just tell you folks, every day we run into people that aren't like us. They don't look like us. They're not from our same background ethnically they don't they just don't fit within our circles of comfort and so how do we break down those barriers it's by it's by recognizing that that god is bringing these people into our lives he's opening up these opportunities for a conversation and we need to step outside of what we would normally see as somebody that potentially like jesus does here that's a woman that's a samaritan that's maybe not somebody morally that he would talk to. He goes to this woman and he engages her where she's at. So how do we love the unlovable? Here's the third thing. How do we allow an ordinary situation to become a divine appointment? It's by allowing space for questions. Uh, Jesus didn't just uh, react to this woman's defensiveness, right? She's kind of defensive here in verse 10. She's basically saying, if you really knew who you were talking to, you know, you wouldn't be asking me for a drink, and Jesus saying, yeah, if you really knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would be giving you living water, right? He tells her here that he's a gift of God, does he know who she is, or does she know who he is, and he uses these words like living water. He's he's deliberately uh, lacing his responses to her with with this enticing phrasing uh, phrases, They're clearly intending to pique her curiosity, um, and just like that salesperson at Home Depot for me, that they knew there was something different. Uh, When people strike up a conversation with you, they're going to notice there's something different about you too. Um, You don't just have to jump right into a full-out gospel presentation either. Uh, Just listen, uh, folks. This is what I want you to, to take away. You'd be surprised and amazed by what people will share with you, what they have on their heart, what is troubling them, if you simply show genuine compassion, and listen attentively. And Third, we need to practice patience. Uh, the Samaritan woman shows a quick response, uh, a little bit with sarcasm to Jesus. Look, the water's in the well run deep, and clearly you don't have a bucket, doesn't go all the way down. Where do you plan on getting this water? What is this living water that you speak of, right? Not, not every conversation that you're going to have is going to go smooth. You're going to start, and people are going to feel a little defensive, and and instead of going spiritually deep, they're going to stay superficial oftentimes, and we have to show patience. Um, You'll be able to practice patience if you go in with a proper expectation, I come to find out, and and that's often uh, having no (laughs) expectation. Uh, Just be patient, listen attentively, and allow space for questions, and allow space for the Holy Spirit to work not only within your heart, but within that person's heart, uh, and really steer the conversation. All right, fourth, how do we love the unlovable? How does an ordinary situation become a divine appointment by appealing to their spiritual need? Everyone has a spiritual need. Let me repeat that. Everyone has a spiritual need. And, and Jesus really just puts his thumb on the, on this woman's pulse here she's broken, she's living in a broken situation, she's had multiple husbands, but but Jesus truly loves this woman, and he wants to see her restored. He shows her an uncommon dignity, uh, and he shows uh, grace and compassion to her. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus didn't approve of this woman's lifestyle, but his actions showed that he was more concerned about her than her sin. and And folks, I think when we engage people in a conversation, um, we'll make we'll make leaps and bounds, more progress in that conversation if we see that person as uh, somebody very similar to us, somebody that's broken, somebody that's hurting, somebody that's in need of a savior, and we focus more on them and less on their sin. I like with one of our pastors uh, had said to me before, he said, unconditional love doesn't mean unconditional approval or agreement. And a lack of approval or agreement doesn't equal hatred. Jesus didn't condemn this lady or shame her or exploit her sinfulness. He merely states the truth and lets it stand on its own. The man she was living with was not her husband. It's a fact. But he's the sixth temporary man in a long line of temporary men. And despite that ugly reality, Jesus loved this woman who the culture would consider unlovable. And he demonstrated that love by appealing to her spiritual need. All right, fifth, how do we uh, love the unlovable? How does an ordinary situation become a divine appointment? Uh, Friends, it's by declaring... truth that comes through the gospel, but attach hope to that. And I want you to listen to these last couple of verses here, 19 to 26. Um, This is uh, the woman, she says, Sir, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is this that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here Mount Gerizim? where our answer worship, Jesus replied, listen to this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when you will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. The time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in truth and spirit. The woman said, verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, by the way, verse 26, I am the Messiah. Friends, each one of our conversations that we have with people, when we love them well, and we speak truth to them, the truth isn't just revealing their sin and their need for a Savior. It is what Jesus has done for us. That's why I say we not only have to declare truth, but we have to attach hope that every conversation must point people back to Jesus and what he's done for us. I love this, I love this part. The woman basically is attempting to back out of this conversation with Jesus and she's basically just saying, well, if the Messiah was here, then we could probably settle this matter. And Jesus just says, "Uh, I am who I am, right? I am the Messiah. You know, this uh, ego me, harkens back to uh, God's self-identification to Moses. And, And friends, both the Jews and the Samaritans upon hearing this would have understood what Jesus meant. I'll close with this today. What is the ultimate demonstration of loving the unlovable? Friends, it is pointing them to the hope found in Jesus. All of those ordinary situations that become divine appointments, while it's important to listen to people and to appeal to their spiritual need and to speak truth into their lives, ultimately what we want to do is point them to the hope that is found in Jesus. He's the great physician. He is the great healer. He is the great restorer. And y'all, he is the ultimate demonstration of loving the unlovable. We'll see you again here for part three. Have a great day.